The Money Show. Other people's money. On to Leighton Beard this evening. Leighton Beard, you know his voice. You hear it regularly. You see his handsome face on television screens as he delivers the dreadful news on the fuel price. He's been delivering better news recently, so we've decided to cut him some slack and invite him on to talk about money, particularly his money. But now, before we do that, the fuel price is dropping um, come midnight tomorrow night by not as much as hoped, but Department of Minerals and Energy announcing domestic fuel prices will be re- uh, reduced on midnight on Wednesday, well, Tuesday into Wednesday. Uh, petrol by two rand and four cents a litre, Diesel by only 56 cents. Um, And the drop would have been bigger if it wasn't for the taxes and levies on the fuel price. Other people's money guest, Leighton Beer tonight from the AA. Just a quick thought on the fuel prices, Leighton. Diesel is stubbornly high. Why is the petrol price dropping as much and the diesel price by less? Well, first of all, I've got to ask you, Bruce, what you want by saying I've got a handsome face. I know that there's a, there's a reason behind that, and I'm sure I'll find out sooner or later. But well, it's, it's um, handsome I mean, relative <laughs> to, to, to at least one other face that I, I picture now, and it's sort of from a Halloween costume of about two years ago. Everything's relative. Everything's relative later. Indeed it is. Indeed it is, Mr. Whitfield. No, look, I mean, you know, uh, we, we get asked this question a lot about what the differences are between petrol and diesel prices. And, um, you know, the answer that we give all the time is that there are different refining processes involved in each, uh, different refining processes from the oil stage. And because of that, there are different costs involved. And that's why you will see a difference in the prices of petrol and diesel, and you'll see a difference in the price that they decrease or increase. And basically, that's the most essential answer I can give. Okay, enough of that. On other people's money, what we'd like to do is learn a little bit more about uh, the people behind the voices that you hear. You know who they are and what they do, but you know nothing about them, really. Um, I've lost track of time, Leighton, because it it feels like just the other day, but it was a long time ago you were a member of the Eyewitness News team. And we'll get on to that in just a moment. But where did Leighton Beard get himself born? I was born in Pretoria uh, uh, on the 15th of September, and I, and I say that so that Happy birthday soon, just in case, you, yes, just in case I forget. It's not because I forgot or don't care. It's just I'm very busy on the 15th. So I'm no, no, no. I'll, I'll take it for now. Thank you, Bruce. So born in Pretoria in 1970, grew up and raised in Pretoria, caused, uh, I think, my fair share of hell in Pretoria as well. Um I'm still currently based there. I've got two sons, um, married for the last 27 years. Uh, And I I think that that adage of what you give when you're younger gets back to you when you're older is true. uh, Because I think my sons are giving me um, as much hell as I think I gave my parents when I was their age. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a full circle and uh, you get you deserve what you get. What did mom and dad do in Pretoria? What was uh, what was their background? What was their occupation? So both my parents worked. My my mother was a real estate agent and hairdresser. Um, my father was a sales manager for a waterproofing company uh, and then later an adhesives company. Um, so worked all their lives. And, and my late father um, was an incredibly good man. Um, and, you know, he, he raised me and my sister, I think, um, along with my mother, obviously. Um, and, you know, when I look back on those years, Bruce, we never wanted for anything. We didn't always get what we wanted, but we always had food on the table. We always had a roof over our head and we 
we did so with a smile. And, you know, I look back on those days with fond memories. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, you know, mom and dad had real, real jobs, you know, proper work, <laughs> yeah. not the sort of nonsense that you became involved in, which was journalism. Did it choose you? Did you choose it? Did you sort of stumble into it at some point? Yeah, my, my dad at one stage asked me when I finished my, my diploma, he said, so when are you going to do a real a real degree? When are you going to get a real job? And, you know, I kind of had to explain to him that, look, this was the path uh, that, that that I'm on. And, I, you know, it's, it's a great question there, Bruce. I don't know. I think, um, you know, w- when I was in matric, I, I, I kind of started getting more into, you know, news of the day. My father was always into reading his newspaper, listening to the radio. Um, you know, I was only six years old when television came along. Um, he was involved in that. Um, he was also a man of, um, you, you know, great, uh, I, I think he had a very strong moral compass. Um, and, you know, he, he kind of taught me, I think, the difference between right and wrong. And, and, I, and I felt almost to, a, in, in a way, I grew up in, a, you know, being very idealistic. And as you'll know, Bruce, many, many journalists are idealistic. We well, all want to beginning. change the world. And, and it seemed beginning. like the right career path for me. Yeah, in the beginning. Uh, later in, in the, the beginning. beginning. <laughs> yeah, you become disillusioned after the second year. But I think in the beginning, you are very idealistic and romantic about the profession. Um, and I think to a certain extent, I am still a little bit about it. But, um, you know, I, I fell into journalism and I'm really grateful I did. It's been a wonderful ride ever since. Where, where did that career start? My first job was actually at the Pretorian News um, in Pretoria. And, and from there, I started working at the SABC uh, in radio. Um, and anybody who's ever worked in radio, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, I certainly have a face for radio. Um, some people tell me I've got a face for print as well. So, um, you know, I, I worked for the SABC for a long while. And, and after that, I joined 702, um, which, you know, for me was, was, was a really great experience. I was, I was with Prime Media for around 10 years and I loved every minute. I, I got to meet people like you, um, you know, which may, may have been a bit of a drawback. But um, there were other good people that worked at the station and, and I loved every second of it. Um, and I mean, it, it's not a career that I mean, it was long hours, filthy work, often dangerous work. It's not particularly well remunerated. It's got other highlights in that you get to do cool things and hang out with cool people and be at the at the at sort of the coal face of history, if you like. Um, but it's it's yes. a it, it's a tough career. It's a tough career in which to to make a living, particularly when you've got a family and you've got two boys who are growing. Um, and yes. uh, when you were at 702, they would have been teenagers eating you out of house and home. Yeah, it, it's, it is a tough career and, and you've really got to have your wits about you. And, and, you know, anybody who's been in a robust newsroom environment will tell you it's not a career in which you can have any, um, you know, in, any, any graces about you. You've got to have a thick skin. Um, you know, you're going to get challenged every day. People are going to tell you exactly what they think of you and of your work. Um, it's going to be rough. Uh, you, you're going to have fights with your wife about the long hours you work. Um, end of the month is going to come and you're going to have worries about how you're going to manage it all financially. So it is a tough career. But as you said, um, the payoff is incredibly rewarding. You know, I, I got to do a lot of uh, political stories with Nelson Mandela back in the day. I doubt that he'd, you know, even recognize or know who I was, but I certainly knew who he was. Um, you know, I, I was at the at, at the union buildings quite often. I got to spend time at at, at his you know, at his presidential home in Pretoria. Um, I got to cover the politics of the day. And as you said, be at the coalface of changing of, of, of history, which was great. Um, and that was personally very rewarding. But, you know, as you say, um, you've also got to look at the bottom line, Bruce. And, and I think 
Um, sadly, in South Africa, that's a fate that awaits many people who who join this very noble profession of journalism. Um, at one point, they kind of look at that bottom line and they say, well, you know, there must be something that I can do to kind of uh, make this look a little bit better in terms of, uh, you know, my monthly bank statement. And, and sadly, a lot of people leave the profession precisely for that reason, which is very sad. Um, it was a decision that was very tough for me to make. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, nine years ago, I joined the AA and I've been happy there ever since. And it's been a great career path for me and I'm really enjoying it. I mean, proper job, you know, like proper office, proper hours. Um, is it, a, it? Were you in a savings frame of mind when you left journalism? Had you had permanent jobs? Had you had jobs that gave you retirement savings? Had you been pushed mm. into that direction at the time? Or, or were you, like many journalists are, a bit of a late starter? I definitely think I was a late starter uh, in terms of retirement savings. Um, when I studied journalism in Pretoria, um, I actually worked as a waiter. And big ups to anybody from the Spurs listening. Um, you guys are great, and, and your and your steaks are awesome as well. Um, and, and I carried many of them to many tables to help pay for my studies. Um, and you know, I, I kind of from that point onwards, uh, you know, I had to learn the value of money a little more carefully than what I had been brought up to. Um, you know, when I was at school, I, I, I got given 10 Rand, uh, you know, for tuck money every now and again. And I had to make the tough decision of, you know, buying a Chelsea bun and a Coke or saving some of it to buy two loose cigarettes after school when nobody <laughs> could see me. So, you know, I mean, these were the types of decisions you faced with. And then, you know, you got to take out a loan to study. Uh, my parents helped a little bit, but I also had to learn myself and I had to work part time. And, I, you know, that was tough. Um, but certainly when I got married, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. I married a very financially astute uh, woman um, who, who currently manages our household budgets. So, very, you know, very financially, of saving. A very financially astute and incredibly tolerant woman for 27 <laughs> years. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, I was, yes. I was, I was, I was watching a video. Uh, Scott Galloway, who is an academic and a, a commentator, I watch a lot of what he has to say. He says, the most important decision you will ever make more about more than where you live more than your career choice is the person you marry um and, and like you know and it, it i think it's incredibly wise advice you either marry a partner or you yes. you know and you and you have a a good and solid foundation of the relationship <clears throat> which is mutually beneficial and beneficial for future generations of the family you have together and so uh, and so you were you made a fine financial choice in your spouse did you Yes. I mean, the fact that she's cute, I think, is a bonus. But, um, you know, <laughs> she's going to she's going to love me for saying that. No, I mean, look, Bruce, you know, you know, when my wife and I got married, we both went into it, I think, very young at 25. Um, but but she's just so financially savvy. She knows how to turn around around. And from a very young age, um, you know, we, we kind of said, look, you know, it's best if you deal with all the money, uh, deal with the finances, um, and, and we work very well together. And it's worked for us over the last 27 years. Um, and through that, we've been able to save, we've been able to put our kids through school, we've been able to buy cars, buy a house, you know, we'd be, we're able now to put my kids through varsity. So um, it, it is a partnership, absolutely. And it's a very critical partnership. And with, without which I don't think that I would have had, um, you know, the financial stability that I currently enjoy. Uh, and that's it's nice to know, Leighton, it really is. Uh, uh, does she work as well in terms of outside of the family home when she's not balancing the, the household books? Are you, are you a, a double-income family? Because, you know, let's face it, we all need to be. 
Yes, we're very fortunate. She does contract work at the moment for the University of Pretoria. So very, very happy, you know, that she that she does have that income. And, and you know, it, like I say, you know, and like you say, um, it's very difficult, I think, nowadays, and unless you're in a top tier uh, C-suite profession that you can only have one person working. But, um, you know, I, I think um, one of the things my wife says to me constantly is that uh, for her own sanity, she's really glad she does work because she has to get out of the house. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it works very well and, and we have to be. And I think it also sets an example for our sons, you know, that, uh, you, you know, to achieve what you want to in life, you can't just be one of those people who sits back and does nothing. You've got to go fetch what you want yeah, uh, do you do like good holidays and stuff as a family? How do you spend? How do you spend the family? The family quintillions. <coughs> um, do you, do you, how, how, do you, how do you like to budget? Have you, have you taken your kids overseas? What have you done? Yeah, we 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 we, we do do a lot of travels. Um, you know, every, every year we try and get away um, at least once a year as a family, um, bit of an extended family with girlfriends entering the mix, which is great and fantastic. Um, our favourite holiday destination is Cape Town. Um, my wife, I think, would move down there tomorrow if we had the opportunity. Uh, we love it. We've explored, I think, every inch of it over the last fifteen years. Uh, recently, my wife and I were fortunate enough to go to Denmark. Um, I, I had a conference that I attended for the FIA. Uh, which was two-day conference, and we extended it by a week, and we spent a couple of days in Denmark, which was fantastic. And the benefit of the of the, of the rigorous savings that we had done over the last couple of years is that you know we we were able to afford all the flight tickets and the accommodation, uh, and and we had a really good time in in a, in a country that is. You know, fortunately, not as expensive as the rest of Europe, but but still expensive, and and we were able to enjoy it, and it was great. And you know, we're planning more of those in future. Excellent. Nice to nice to hear. Uh, you haven't answered the question about your kids and spoiling them on on trips and stuff. Do you have you have you taken them on on big global jaunts or not? Um, I I haven't. Um, and and part of the reason is is that I you know both my sons are, are saving to do that on their own. My first international Excellent. trip I did when I was when I was uh, twenty two. Uh, and I went to London. I think I had ten pounds in my pocket, purse, and it, it, it was it was a, it was a, let's just say an interesting experience. Um, and so both my sons are saving, and hopefully in the next year, both of them will will, will go on their own travels. And um, you know, I've I've said to them, look, you know, we, we are saving for other things, and we, we'd love to take you. It's very expensive, especially um, you know the way things are with our economy at the moment. Um, and and both of them are saving to do their own trips and and to go to wherever they want in the next year. So. So, you know, hopefully that happens. Obviously, we'll be helping them. But, you know, from my perspective, I, I really want them to experience that on their own first hand. Yeah, because you're a cheapskate, which is good. It's a noble, it's a noble well, characteristic. A yeah, 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 yeah. As you need to be. <laughs> Otherwise, it's, life gets tough. Now, um, okay. what do you, uh, you're part of the AA. Um, do, yes. you like, do you like cars? Do you waste money on cars and things like that? I'm going to disappoint you. I love cars. I love cars, and 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 in fact, um, uh, my wife is 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 one of the biggest F1 fanatics I've ever met in my life. She absolutely loves the sport. I like it. I'm not as into it as she is. I'm more of a rugby guy, more of a cricket guy. But um, I, I I do love cars, um, but I don't spend money on them. I drive a 2010. Hyundai iX35 that I maintain religiously. I check the tires every day. I service it at every interval that it should be serviced at. And I look after it. I'm, I'm not one of those guys that's going to spend money on a new car. I think I'd rather save the money and spend it on something more valuable, perhaps down the line, or maybe look to my future and, and my retirement savings. Um, I love cars, but I'm not going to spend money on them.
No, that's a, a very positive thing. Cars are, 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 I think, as you get older, and you've revealed to us <coughs> how old you are. Um, and as you get older, I think you become to you come to terms with the fact that actually it does the same job as the big fancy one. Um, and you know, some people like the big fancy ones. Somebody like the some like the fast fancy ones, and that's great. Each to their own. Uh, yes. But um, you know, the the idea of um, having a car and paying for it and having being able to pay for it, regardless of the price tag is, I think, the important point. If you do have a bad money habit, what is it? Uh, smoking, um, uh, which is a bad habit, period. And, you know, to all the kids out there, just say no to tobacco. Um, that is bed. a bad habit. And yes. um, I beg your pardon? They're in bed by now, but that's okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, podcast. yeah. Um, um, uh, and, and, and my other very naughty habit is golfing equipment, Bruce. Oh. I just can't seem to get enough of it. <laughs> But does it, does it, the more you spend, does it improve the quality of your game? Or have you come to terms with the fact that actually, perhaps it's not the clubs? <laughs> Look, um, because my wife is listening, I'm going to say this. The more I spend, the better I play. But um, off the record, Bruce, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, find, <laughs> I find that even the most expensive equipment, I'm still rubbish. So it's but, astonishing. Uh, it makes me feel better about my game. Golf equipment inflation. I don't know. I, I, I looked for the first time in a long time the other day, and I, I had to sit down. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, the technology is astounding, and the, 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 the equipment is beautiful. But yes. my word. You spent so many nice things out there, Bruce. <laughs> Have you spent 10 grand on a driver? Because I saw that and I just went, I, it's time to stop. Uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that answer, Bruce. Okay. Yes, you have. Um, <laughs> what's your <laughs> handicap? Uh, I'm currently off of 16. Um, wow. But uh, I'm useful. trying to get better. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very useful. Um, and do you get to yeah. play often enough? Because, I mean, that's one of the great curses of golf is um, it, it, it's a, a five, six-hour activity. It's not just, you know, hacking around the golf course. There's pre-match no. warm-up and post-match cool-downs and all sorts of things. Yeah, I, I, I try and play at least four times a month, which I know is a lot. But um, I'm in a very fortunate position that uh, uh, the currency uh, at the AA is an absolute golf fanatic. And, um, you know, he's, he's taken me to the courses once or twice. So um, I do get to play enough. Uh, but, I, you know, as a, as, as, a, as a committed golfer, Bruce, I mean, can you ever say you do play enough? Um, I, I can certainly say with absolute sincerity, I don't play nearly enough. I wish I could. I wish there was time. Please. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm clearly a better father than you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. I managed to get the last insult in. Leighton Beard, lovely to chat to you. Thank you very much for making time for us tonight. Um, and I'm delighted that you made the very best financial choice that anybody can ever make, and that is in the choice of spouse. That was a good choice and a good decision. Leighton Beard, thank you very much. From the AA, formerly of the Eyewitness News team.